Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Ambrosia. It means food of the gods, and their range of tinned milky puddings is heavenly. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden, and how they impacted on me growing up as a boy in 1980s and 1990s Birmingham. Although, at this point, virtually 11, I'm pretty much a man. Got a job, ain't I? Data input. Um, but yeah, I also look at them today as well. 2023. This week, I'm looking at a song called The Clansman, which is track four on the Virtual Eleven album. Last week, I looked at Lightning Strikes Twice, because that's the song that comes before it. And as usual, I had some comments on the show. There were quite a few people mentioning the whistling. Um, it was pretty much an afterthought, really. Um, I think it came up at the end of the episode, and I had a go at whistling the chorus. And a few other people tried it and said, yeah, it's nice to mention it. They were whistling it. I had messages from Kirsty Prince, Daniel Armstrong, and Rockeroller. I also had a comment from Dark Blogman, who said that lightning did strike twice on this album, with two bad choruses in a row. So, yeah, that's a good point. I also had some comments about the Mr. Men reference. You may recall I missed out Daydream on the Angel and the Gambler episode. You know, some people were crossing off the Mr. Men that Iron Maiden refer to in their lyrics. It's quite a good game. And Phil Quedge got in touch and said that, as well as Mr. Men, you can do this with Gladiators. Now, that's the UK TV show of the 1990s. And you may have mentioned this because Lightning is a Gladiator. And Lightning Strikes Twice is the song I did. But it also mentioned some lesser-known gladiators, like Flame, that were getting quests for fire, and gold. There was even one called Blaze. So yeah, these obscure ones he came up with. So this was exciting. And uh, yeah, once again, a listener comment has made me want to look for the truth. Hello. Right, you know why we're here? Yeah, looking at the gladiators. And the Mr. Men. Yeah, I like Jet. Jet? Yeah, Trevor liked Zodiac, didn't he? Oh yeah, that's right, yeah. He, he wrote Valentine's cards to her, I remember that. Yeah. I'm surprised there's not a poster of Jet on your wall. Her real name was Diane Udale. Right. I've got a photo of her in my sock drawer. Okay, so you've got the list of gladiators then. How many are there in Iron Maiden songs? Well, there are 34 gladiators, UK gladiators, and the number of gladiators featured in Iron Maiden lyrics is... Come on, don't do that silly tension thing. Twelve! That's not bad. Yeah, but there might be some contention, because the gladiator called Bullet was spelled differently. Okay. But you could also have Blaze, a band member. That's right, yeah, yeah, Phil mentioned that one. And Rio, which was in an album title. Yeah, great. So loads of links. All right, can't calm down. Rebel and Warrior, they 
They were in one song. Do you know what it was? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. There's no eagle though, is there? In gladiators, I mean, no eagle. That, that was interesting. I thought there would be. Yeah, it is. So that's uh, twelve out of thirty-four then, with a couple of extras. That's still less than fifty percent. So is the percentage of Mister Men in the lyrics better than this? Don't know. Well, I told you to look for the truth there as well, not just gladiators. Mr. Men, there are. There are 39 in the 90s. Do they keep adding more? Okay, is this just a way of making sure you get to do another investigation on a future episode? Because I'm not coming back to this. This, If that's it, Mr. Men over. Uh. Although I think after I missed out daydream when I was talking about the angel and the gambler, maybe I'll have to have a special alert when one crops up, like a klaxon or something. Yeah, do you want me to do one? Uh, yeah, maybe I'll be in touch. Anyway, enough of that. Let's look at the clansman. Now, do you say clansman or clansman? That's an interesting start, isn't it? But don't write in because however you spell it, I've had this before, haven't I? Brian Blessed. Because if you write clansman, I won't know how you pronounce it. So I don't know why I bothered. I'll edit that out. Anyway, the song called The Clansman, that's how I'm saying it. Um, It starts off with an intro that reminds me a bit of Infinite Dreams. Yeah, I played both there. And uh, if you're more into your urban music, your hip-hop stuff, um, or R&B, um, you might recognise it from this, uh, which is a song by Brandy called I Tried. Yes, that's right. She sampled it. Now, the song continues, um, back to the Iron Maiden song, I mean, and some string pads come in, which provides quite a reflective feel. So it's moving along quite nicely, but then all of a sudden, it's almost interrupted by this strange bass guitar section that comes from nowhere. No, that's not easy. Um, This is the real one. And then there's a high guitar part as well, which is Maybe one of the hooks of the song, and that's quite cinematic. So this is a reasonable start. You know, we we we're sort of we're paying attention to this. Like a 
That mentions wind again. And we had this last week. In fact, I mentioned this song last week as well because that started with wind in the face. And it's the same here, wind in your face. Um, but it's a bit mumbled though. In this first verse, it's about someone standing on a hill feeling proud to be a race that is part of a clan. Now looking at clan in the dictionary, it's just like a family. So you might think, oh, we're all clansmen or clanswomen. You know, we're all part of a family, whether it's your real family or the Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast family. However, there's more emphasis uh, in this meaning uh, in a sort of Scottish or Irish sense. So they use it more in those countries, or they did. Now, you may know some famous clans through history, uh, you know, clans like Douglas, Campbell, Mackenzie, and the Wu-Tang Clan. And this song, obviously, is called The Clansman, so it comes from the clan, doesn't it? And it's based on another film. And the film isn't called The Clansman. Clansman, I should probably be consistent, shouldn't I? It's based on a film called Braveheart, which you've probably heard of. And although Steve Harris also mentioned Rob Roy in an interview, so yeah, that film was also an influence. But the issue with this, you might know that Braveheart is famous for not being a historically accurate film. And that's a shame because a lot of fans rate this song and might rank it alongside some of the other historical epics like Alexander the Great or Passchendaele. And knowing this, that it's about this film, which you've probably got an image of, go back to that intro, and maybe they could have made it more atmospheric. I said it was cinematic anyway, but maybe they could have added some sound effects. You know, they should have had a storm last week with lightning strikes twice, but, you know, maybe with the wind in your face, they could have added some wind, like this. And maybe a whinnying horse. The first verse ends with a line, With the air that you breathe, so pure and so clean. Warning, warning, Mr. Men Alert! Warning, warning, Mr. Men Alert! Oh, sorry about that. Um, Yeah, you might have uh, choked on your cornflakes there. Uh, A bit of a shock. Um, So, yeah, Mr. Men Alert. Now, I said clean, which is why that came in, that horrible thing. And you might think, oh, that might be a Mr. Man, Mr. Clean. So that's why it was there. But it wasn't. And this is strange, isn't it? No Mr. Clean, because there was a Mr. Messi. So what message is this sending out to young children? Let's go back to the song, and then we get to the second verse. And this is about them questioning if they should be free. You know, Is it right to believe, they say, because now... That someone's taking this freedom away. Um, they're taking away the chance to stand on a hill with the wind in your face because they are grinding us down and taking our land. But who is this they? Now, if you've seen the film um, and know your history, you, you probably know. You know, it's, it's the English, isn't it? The theme of the song. This could refer to a they as some other colonial oppressor, like we saw in The Edge of Darkness or in the book that it was based on anyway or rather the book that the film that the song was based on was based on anyway. Maybe it could be someone trying to demonstrate, you know, power in another country, you know, another leader trying to take land away, a bit like we get today. Like Elon Musk's, you know, he's, he's grinding us down, isn't he, and taking our Twitter just because he's got the power and money. 
but the Klansman isn't about Elon Musk's. Then we get the chorus, and it's got the leading that uh, the words "I am the Klansman." With a need to belong, I am a Klansman. Now I'm not sure anyone would say this. You know, it's a bit like "Better watch out, because I'm the assassin." Now this "I'm the" and then adding the profession or type of person. That's just a way of explaining what the rest of the song's about. So that's why they do it. You know, if you think, I'm going to kill you because I'm the assassin. I'm going to be annoyed if someone takes my land away because I'm the clansman. So this works. But if I want to make small talk at Christo's hairdressers, I don't just say things like, I talk about Iron Maiden and my experiences in Birmingham in the 80s and 90s because I'm the podcaster. It doesn't work in real life, just in songs. So, yeah, be careful, you know, if you're introducing yourself and linking it to your job. Now, I've mentioned Braveheart, and then one of the famous words or, or, or moments of the film, that becomes the chorus or a hook because it's a repetition of the word freedom. And you might remember Mel Gibson saying it. Freedom! As mentioned before on a previous episode, the term freedom was also at the back of Steve Harris's mind, following Michael Hasselhoff's performance when the Berlin Wall came down. He had a song called Freedom. And also, Ballad of Belf on Twitter reminded me that Freedom was also a song by Wham! and a different song with the same title by George Michaels. That's incredible. What a coincidence. But after this first chorus, the song's now hit its peak and we've got more of a rocky feel going back to the verse. This time round, the lyrics mention the heritage of the land and how the ancestors of this generation will be ashamed of what's happening. And then there's talk about taking the land back and taking what's mine because I am the clansman. Yeah, so that, that's the song structure really then some more freedoms, and then we get the solo, or several solos. And you might say that this is an epic centre at the epicentre of the song, because there's a few different sections. The first section, we get like a Scottish flavour, and you can see Yannick doing a jig to it. But with this vibe, he reminded a bit of the band Big Country. We get some strings over it. Also get some odd drum fills. And then we get another solo or another instrumental passage. And then we get the best bit, which has got this effect on the guitar, like classic Iron Maiden from the early 80s. I generally like this sort of thing, don't I? A sort of big instrumental passage, you know, breaking up the song, something to rock out to, bang my head, play air guitar. But this section, I feel like it should be great, and sometimes I do think it's great, but then sometimes 
not so much. And that's quite strange. I'd like to know where I stand with it, but I don't. The solo section then stops and it abruptly goes into this sort of finger-picky bit. Once again, I'm not sure about the pads here. I want, I want wind. Then we get a new vocal section where it says, No, no, we can't let them take anymore. No, no, we can't let them take anymore. No, we can't let them take anymore. With the land of the free. I feel like this is quite important. I feel like there should be more emotion in it. Let's have one of these. It's Steve Paris's diary. It's Steve Paris's diary. It's Steve Paris's diary. It's Steve Paris's diary. Oh, been writing a song called The Clansman. I was struggling a bit trying to write it to fit the mood of the Scots. Because I'm not from Scotland or the Middle Ages. It was okay though, as Dave put his arm around me and gave me a pep talk and told me I wasn't around at the time of Alexander the Great either. I still had a few sections that needed words though. Anyway, we had a break and I was in the studio finishing off the Angel and the Gambler and I was delighted. Listening back with Nigel, oh, that's Nigel Green, the producer, he said, oh, that's a lot of choruses. I said, nah, the fans will love it. Be a right sing-along at a gig. Well, we're getting close to 20, he said, which will consider the fans' feelings. Oh, he nearly turned into a right Barney. I think we should stop here, he said. We won't let them take any more. Oh, that's it, I said. Good, he replied. No, no, I said. I mean, that's it, for an idea for the clansmen. Well, what about this song, he said, The Angel and the Gambler? Oh, I'll just stuff a few more rounds on at the end, see what happens. I've got a song to write. It's Steve Paris's diary. It's Steve Paris's diary. It's Steve Paris's diary. It's Steve Paris's diary. Generally, so far so good. Plenty of bits, plenty of memorable sections. But then, then we get a section that makes the song lose some points. We get an O. Oh. Now, we had a lot of O's, didn't we, on the X Factor? And I think this is the first time we've had it so far on this album. And these O's, they, they just follow the last line, you know, those lines about not letting them take anymore. It just O's it. And again, as you run out of ideas. And those O's with the music, they don't, go, they don't really give enough when you consider the importance of the message. <laughs> Then we get another musical passage, so yeah, plenty, plenty to get your teeth into. But the freedoms, they seem to come in a bit clumsily then, like a bad copy and paste job. You know, or someone came in a fraction too late. And then I think the final verse is a bit too long. I feel like we, we probably didn't need this. Especially as it's just the same as the second one. 
And I wonder, is this because they ran out of ideas or is this a sort of suggestion that the injustice, it goes on and on, like a cycle? However, let's face it, this topic, this theme, it deserves a long song, unlike The Angel and the Gambler. So after this, it goes back to that intro, that slow bit again, without the wind, without the horses, without the angry Scotsman. So that was it, and generally this is seen as a good Iron Maiden song, and it's still played live, you know, as recently as last year, on the Legacy of the Beast tour, you know, after a 15 years gap. Um, I mean, of course it was played in the late 90s, you know, on three consecutive tours, up to the Brave New World, uh, and Bruce sang it. Um, so, but I think, I don't know how challenging it is to sing, because it seems quite repetitive, the melody, if you think of the notes anyway. Nowadays, they've got three guitars when they play it live, so I wonder what Adrian does in it, because, you know, he wasn't on this album. So I watched the video, tried to focus on him. And, yeah, interestingly, the, the version I saw, Steve had two guitars, like an acoustic and an electric bass, but he didn't play them at the same time, of course. That'd be ridiculous. But, yeah, I noticed that, you know, Dave and Yannick still do the solos, so it's not like Adrian took over and pushed one of them aside. But, you know, of course, he does the backing vocals on the Freedoms, so that's a nice extra. As I say, people think it's good, and a lot of people think it's the best thing on the album, and some say it's the only good thing on the album. Now, Alan Bell, you might remember him. We mentioned him quite a few times. Keeps winning the competitions, which is quite annoying, but he does come up with some nice comments and, and opinions on Porridge and things, and Iron Maiden. But, uh, yeah, I thought I'd ask him what he felt, because he's from Scotland... And he doesn't like it. So I wondered why this was. I thought maybe he saw Iron Maiden as like those English colonial oppressors taking from Scottish culture. Because they do this on the parchment, don't they? Stealing from Scottish sibling heartthrobs, the proclaimers in the intro. Now Alan Bell argues... Well, it's not an argument. It says the film is about the poor treatment of the Scots by the English suppressors. So having this freedom message rammed home by one of the most quintessential English heavy metal bands is a little hard to take. And he also says the song's a bit cheesy. And it comes across, and this is a great quote, as a sort of shortbread tin, old lang sign stereotype of Scotland mixed in with a big dollop of spinal tap. So that's interesting. And you know, maybe other Scottish fans feel this way. Maybe when they play it live there, you know, in Glasgow or wherever, the fans turn their backs on the band. Like Dennis Stratton turned his back on Adrian Smith, you might remember, from the Killers tour. I think it was the Killers album review show, when he said he went to a gig in 1981 disguised as a fireman. Now, Iron Maiden also annoyed Celtic fans by producing the Union Jack during the Trooper in Dublin, in a gig in 2003. And you might have heard that story on the Fecking Metal podcast. So, yeah, not not so good. Uh, but they weren't finished, were they? And on the last album, Senjutsu, we got a song called Death of the Celts, which I think, and I might have said this before, it sounds a bit like The Klansman. Now, looking at this, this song, this new song, it looks like they mentioned wind in the lyrics again. Uh, but this is a road that, that's winding, not not wind, not winding. Uh, and actually looking at it it's more poetic overall the lyrics but yeah perhaps I'll look at that song when I'm in my 60s Ryan give Trevor a ring Hi Wayne 
Right, Trevor. Uh, yeah, well, disappointingly, we're a bit later than our usual chat because you've been busy, haven't you? Yeah. Now, I've noticed you've been busy a lot lately, but uh, you couldn't make the usual time this week. And that was a bit unusual. Yeah, well, I was in Liverpool. OK, very nice. Um, the, the bad thing is, and I want the listener to appreciate this, is that because the call's later, I'm going to have less time to edit the episode. You know, pushes it a bit close to release, doesn't it? OK. So what are you doing in Liverpool, then? Well, I was up there for the Eurovision Village as part of the Euro Festival, celebrating Ukraine and the UK culture. Are you reading this from the leaflet? No. OK, well, I'm sure that was very nice. Yeah, well, I'm going to cover it in my poem. Oh, good. Uh, anyway, we're, we're talking about the song The Klansman, so what do you think about it? Yeah, I like it. It's, you know, rousing and uplifting. Well, that's Alan Ballanoid. What? He doesn't like it, you know, from a Scottish perspective. Oh, yeah, well, maybe I could see that. Be like Switzerland in the Eurovision. Oh, come on. Well, they're singing about Ukraine and it's not their battle, is it? Well, they didn't invade Ukraine, though, did they? Like in this song, so it's nothing like it. Yeah, but it's not their battle. Yeah, but that affects all of Europe. Yeah, but they're one of the most famously neutral countries. It's a bit strange. OK, well, we're not here to talk about Eurovision, are we? So, um, what do you think about the lyrics? Well, I suppose that's not one of the strengths of the song. It's sort of a bit vague, but without being vague, you know, a bit general and obvious. Maybe not too much imagination. Did you ever run around the garden singing, I'm Trevor the Clansman? No. Have you ever been to Scotland? Oh, come on. You're scraping the barrel a bit, aren't you, with the questions? I beg your pardon. I spoke to Pterodactyl Mark earlier this week and I got more out of him. He was like an understanding and supportive co-host. Oh, yeah, I've heard that little dig on previous episodes. All right, well, yeah, I've been to Edinburgh. What's I got to do with it? And before you ask, no, I've never worn a kilt or bravi and Highland toffee. OK, well, I'll get the impression you're a bit miffed, so uh, should we do your poem then? Yeah, OK. I hope it's a serious one for the topic after last week's one about tapioca pudding. Yeah, well, it's about our trip, isn't it? Today's trip I mentioned. Oh, yeah, well, OK, go on then. Woke up early to catch the train. Packed our cagoules in case it rained. With crisps and sweets and pop for fuel, we headed north to Liverpool. Mum and Dad in their Sunday best, and Uncle Ron in his white string vest. Wolverhampton, Stafford, crew, with Rita, Bob and Auntie Sue. As the minutes passed us by, we played pub cricket and I spy. Excited by our Sunday mission, to take in the mood of Eurovision. The crowds were happy and full of zest, despite Uncle Ron in his white string vest. But Rita, in her vintage frock, caused quite a stir on the Albert Dock. Music, beer and much ice cream, it seemed to me to be quite the dream. And the day went by so very fast, but I'd found a place we belonged at last. OK, well, that was quite long, but I didn't interrupt like I did a couple of weeks ago, so I hope the listener was impressed by that control. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, maybe they'll regret me not interrupting because it went on a bit, and well, it's just a poem about a family day out. Yeah, but sadly, I had to be brief because 
It only happened earlier, so I haven't had much time to reflect and write it down. Brief? I mean, that, that went on for long enough, didn't it? Yeah, but there's so many adventures I could have mentioned. Once again, I feel I've been cut short by the limitations of this podcast. It could have been as epic as the song. Oh yeah, the song. Talking of the song, what, what did that have to do with the clansman? Aunts and uncles in ridiculous clothes? I mean, that, that's almost offensive to the subject. No, that's my clan. My family, with all its quirks. And I'm proud of it. Of us. And the clan we joined in Liverpool. All those people, whether it's the Eurovision clan or whatever. Local people, tourists. Everybody was one. Like at the Iron Maiden gigs. And that togetherness, that goes beyond. Like in the song, you know, that joint cause or belief or hope. OK, well, it was not a poem. It sounded like it was from the 1950s. Fine, if that's your opinion. OK, well, seeing as you only seem to want to talk about Eurovision, who's going to win it this year, then? You're going to put a bet on? I suppose people are going to win or they won't? Yeah. Oh, OK, France going to win? UK? Nah, probably not. Probably Sweden or Finland. But I'd like to see Czechia do well. Czechia? Yeah, the old Czech Republic. Okay, what about the ones who are supporting Iron Maiden? Germany? Nah, they've got no chance. Okay. Yeah, soon be time to put the bunting up, but everyone's still got the coronation stuff up at the moment, so it's a bit disappointing, and people might get upset, mightn't they? Or confused. Well, I'm not sure about that, yeah, but yeah, put it up when you're ready, whatever. So it's when two worlds collide next week, so uh, yeah, be ready for that. Yeah, great, look forward to it. Maybe if you could like be available at the usual time. I wasn't so keen on putting this back. I've had to miss, you know, it's bath night, isn't it, on a Sunday? So, you know, the later it is, the more affected I am. So, yeah, you know, a lot more routines. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Bye. Right, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Wayne Maiden on Twitter. I've got Facebook, uh, Instagram, yeah, and I've got a Ko-Fi page, and the link to that is in the show notes. So if you want to leave a tip or, you know, a kind donation, then that's how to do it. And I appreciate all those I've received, especially this month, because last week I mentioned it's Mental Health Awareness Month, and I am donating any Fray Bentos pies, or the money for Fray Bentos pies, to a mental health charity. And I'll be putting more information of that up on the Ko-Fi page and on social media, so look out for that. And uh, yeah, thanks to anyone who has contributed so far. And this week we've had uh, extra contributions from Tonya Barker, Melissa... Fergal, Andy and Joe Duncan. So thanks very much to you. So yeah, that's raising money for a good cause. So anyway, let's reflect on the Klansman. And in fact, we've done the first half of the album, four songs out of the eight. And uh, it's quite interesting to compare those first four songs with the other first four songs, or first halves of the 90s albums. And it's quite interesting um, because a lot of people automatically assume this one is the worst album. But if you look at those four songs in comparison with the others, uh, yeah, I think you could say that this isn't that bad because, you know, Future Real and The Klansman, most would agree, are good songs. And Lightning Strikes Twice wasn't too bad, you know, chorus aside. And The Angel and the Gambler, uh, that was okay, apart from those obvious bits, the horns, the organ, repetition. So if I was to list those 16 songs, um, which is four times four, of course, I'd say The Klansman might be up there with Afraid to Shoot Strangers and Sign of the Cross, so, you know, in that top tier. Not the Premier League, we're not, we're not going down that route. Uh, maybe Future Real, that's on a par, if not better, than things like Tailgunner and Holy Smoke 
maybe Lightning Strikes Twice isn't far behind. Um, but of course, yeah, The Angel and the Gambler, that's maybe down near the bottom. But still above from here to eternity. So it's tricky. But uh, the ultimate takeaway is that it isn't obviously the worst album from the 90s if you're just basing it on these songs. So yeah, maybe I'll tweet my top 16 or put it on a post on Ko-Fi. See if I can do it. So thanks for your support, and uh, yeah, that's been The Clansman. Next week we've got When Two Worlds Collide, so look forward to that. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, so see you then. Bye-bye.